Hello and welcome to Be The Wolf. I am your host, Jenea Barnes. Many people struggle to be the fullest, biggest, truest versions of themselves. They bend to fit into other people's ideals of who and what they should be. They tame their brilliance to avoid judgment and gain approval. A long time ago, people attempted to tame the wilderness of Yellowstone National Park by eradicating predators. Taming the wilderness collapsed the ecosystem. But there's hope. In the mid-90s, 41 wolves were introduced into the park and with this, the ecosystem replenished itself and flourished. The wolves did nothing but be exactly who they are meant to be and do what they were born to do. So I say to you, be the wolf. Hello, hello everybody and welcome to this episode of Be The Wolf. Today we are going to talk about dreams and taking that leap to follow your dream. I think as people get older, a lot of people just kind of put their dreams to the side and they shove them under the rug. But Erica did not do that. I did not do that. And there's a whole lot of other people out there that have not done that. So we're going to talk about that, what it takes to take that leap and follow your dream and how it works out. So we're talking today with Erica Fluger, and she and I talked a few months back, and she was really starting to push forward into her dream, even though she had been tipping her toes in the water before. But we're going to talk about how that journey has been, and Erica is so gracious to share some of that experience with us. Erica, now you are a coach and you're a specific kind of coach. Do you want to share with us a little bit about what it is that you do? And yeah, give us the goods. Yes. Thanks, Jenea. Super happy to be here today. Um, I am Erica Fluger and I am a certified professional life coach and I coach sober women who are ready to radically reinvent their lives. So that's my specific uh, niche and population that I'm passionate about working with. What I love about that is I've dealt with a bunch of people in my practice that have addiction, have been recovering from addiction and whatever it might be. And one of the things is, you know, for most people, it's a coping mechanism. Most people don't realize, you know, people have all this judgment about addiction in general. And it's a way for people to manage and cope. And there's usually some stuff underneath. So as people get sober, which is an amazing thing, but it's about, there's a lot of stuff that comes up, like, who am I without this? Who, like, how do I manage stressful situations without being able to turn to this? And what can I do to really create the life that I want without this crutch that is 
helped me in some ways, of course, get through. And I'm always so grateful because I think a lot of people might not have survived without their addiction. They might have given up completely on life. So for me personally, I am grateful when people get to that place where it's like, okay, we're going to move into creating a better new life. And I love that there are people like you that really help people to do that. Everything you just said is so spot on. Like, um, I, I don't know what the actual statistics or numbers are, but something like 80% of people with addiction have trauma, um, some kind of PTSD or complex trauma, certainly the case for me. Um, I was given no tools or any kind of healthy coping mechanisms like most people are not given. And like you said, that was the only thing I knew how to do. It was the only thing I knew to turn to. It was my only solution. And you're right. It did. It, it served me for a little while, like in a way. Yeah. And and then it really didn't. <laughs> it became <laughs> really bad. Um so yeah, uh, it's it's so understandable that you know people turn to that to relieve the pain because we're human and that's how we're built. We we want to avoid pain at all costs, you know, physical and emotional. Um, and that is it's so hard because you know, like for me personally, I had so much in me. And I couldn't access it because it was just so covered up with the pain and then the addiction feeding that. So, and it's just, it's so common and it's just, it's so sad. And that's why, um, you know, I'm really passionate about helping this certain population because I truly feel like addicts and people in recovery are like the most admirable, strongest people I know. And yeah. And I want to destigmatize addiction and alcoholism um, because it's just a, it's a condition people live with. It doesn't have anything to do with who they are. It has to do with the way they're built. Um, so detaching that, uh, you know, disease, condition, whatever you want to call it, from the actual person is part of my mission. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So we're going to talk today, though, about your dream and your journey of getting to this place where you get to help incredibly strong, powerful people really access all of who they are so that they can be and create lives of joy. And so... Now, I remember when we talked before, you told me about your, you, this idea of becoming a life coach didn't just start for you when you started doing it. So how did this, well, how did this become your dream? Tell us how becoming a coach became your dream. Yeah. So, um, I don't know how much, how far back you are to go, how much history building Whatever up. feels good, whatever feels good. <laughs> um, but uh, so I didn't have any kind of traditional 
career path whatsoever. Um, I had a very chaotic, crazy home life growing up and there was no direction or guidance. And I literally got D's and F's from sixth grade to 12th grade. And uh, I, I was diagnosed with ADHD at 36. So I had no idea for one that I had this limiting, you know, a thing happening in my brain that made it hard to learn and focus. And then I also just had no support at home, you know, nobody guiding me or checking in on me. So by the time I graduated, I was just like, I don't know. I have no idea what I want to do. I don't know what to do from here. Um, luckily, I had a fantastic best friend who was like, go to community college with me. I'm like, okay, how do I do that? You know, so she helped me get enrolled and and when I got to college, I was like, oh, I actually like learning. Like, this is really interesting. And, I, you know, I had a, like, big perspective shift on it. I still struggled a lot, like, trying to figure out how to get the work done and study because I still wasn't taught those things. Um, but I, <laughs> after I think about four community colleges and about seven years total of school, I finally graduated with a bachelor's in sociology from San Francisco State, which was huge because I was the first person in any person in my family, either side, to ever graduate from college, mostly like high school too. Um, okay. I want to stop you here real quick because I'm really, I'm noticing a really great be the wolf quality here. And when we talk about being the wolf and being who you're born to be, so much of that comes from living a path that was not modeled for you. And it means trying to figure out what's really right for you. And I love that you got to community college and you discovered all of a sudden, oh my goodness, I actually like learning. And so when you get there, but you didn't have anybody in your family that knew how to go the college path because if they didn't go to college, how would they know how to guide you towards that? And so you had a great best friend who totally came in and helped, you know, I, and I know sometimes when we're taking a leap to not do it by ourselves makes a big difference. When you've got a friend, a mentor or somebody that can take that first step with you, I think it's super powerful. So I just want to commend and note and take note of the fact that here you were already, even in your like right out of high school, your young adulthood, like stepping in and taking a leap into something you knew nothing about, really. Yeah, thank you. It was, um, you know, I was always a very like deep, soulful, creative person and I wrote I always wrote so I was like writing really bad poetry and you know journaling all the time and pouring my heart out about everything um so I had this drive in me I think to express myself like I always had that drive in me to express myself somehow and um and I think when I got to the community college like I discovered the humanities it's like ooh, I really like this you know the people that's my jam. Like I love people and learning about the brain and, and society and why we do what we do. So that was my first taste of like that, that world of, you know, feeling like uh, that, that like buzz of like, Ooh, this is it. Like, this is the thing I like. Um, so I graduated from college and I actually 
got married at the end of my college year. So I was very young. I got married at 25, um, 2005. And I just like, didn't know what to do from there. You know, it was like, okay, I have a degree now. What do I do? I don't, I don't really know. I just went back to waiting tables. And I think that's so common for so many people, because again, we don't have that guide. How do we figure it out? How do we, oh, I have this degree. What do I do with it? Yeah. And I think, you know, when you're not um, brought up in the world of success and you aren't shepherded, is that a word, into, you know, like that world, you know, like that's what, sorry, but white men have access to, right? It's like the boys club, like, oh, we're going to show you the ropes. This is where you intern. This is who, this is so-and-so you're going to connect with Bob and Bob, you know, and there's just this whole track that's kind of laid out. And if you don't come from like the socioeconomic background, and mostly if you're not a man, you don't get access to that. Or I, I had no idea people did that. You know, I didn't know that was a thing. Um, so I think that's a bit, and like you said a little while ago, it's like, nobody can do this alone. We all need support. Like we all need a hand to get there, you know? So when we don't have that, it just, well, for me, especially, it was like, I thought I was supposed to know how to do everything. And I thought I was supposed to know how to figure it out on my own. And because I wasn't figuring it out on my own, then I was a failure and I was, you know, stupid and lacking somehow. I want to, I want to kind of touch on that because of it people that have a lot of trauma or stressful childhoods, mm -hmm. I'm going to say, because a stressful childhood is trauma, period. Totally. So mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean you had parents that did terrible things to you. But if you had a stressful childhood, a lot of times, especially if you didn't feel you got the support that you needed, a lot of the times people feel like they have to do it on their own. And because somebody's not there showing them, they don't have the, they don't grow up with this idea that it's okay to ask for help. It's okay that if you don't know how to do something. And because of that, we get stuck. A lot of people get stuck in this place as children and then growing up into teenagehood and adulthood of not knowing how. And sure, there might be a track that's modeled for certain segments of the population. But I think it doesn't necessarily matter who you are. If you had a stressful childhood and you want to do something different than what was modeled for you growing up, there is that I don't know how and I don't know how to ask for help because maybe I was ridiculed or condemned or or people didn't show up for me. All of these things that create this fear of asking for help. And so, you know, here you are, you took the leap, you went to college, you got your degree, and then now there's, again, another barrier of, I don't know how, this was not modeled for me, what do I do? And so when you were in humanities and you were studying humanities, you were interested in it and you were learning about it. Did you have any idea what you might want to do for a job or was it just, you know, outside the box of what you could see? Yeah. I mean, in some ways I had some ideas, but 
you know, I think it was mostly just kind of outside the box of, I just didn't even know what was available. I didn't, right. you know, the only, you know, I was a sociology major and the only thing I re- knew was like, well, there's social work or, you know, working in, um, you know, uh, like juvenile system or, you know, like that world, which interested me, but I wasn't sure if that was exactly what I wanted to do. Um, and so then I, I graduated and I kind of just floundered for a few years. I was really bad, still am, at math. And I wanted to go to graduate school, but I was terrified of the GRE. So like, I'm not going to pass this to get, to get into graduate school. So I found like the only school that didn't require it, <laughs> which, was, which was uh, Sonoma State. And I applied to, um, oh God, what was it? It was like a school counseling program. And I got, you know, the initial acceptance, like, okay, you know, we're interested in you come in and we're going to do like an interview. And this is so embarrassing, but I got into the interview and as they're talking to me, I'm realizing I applied for the wrong program. Like there were two tracks for this particular degree. And I realized I had applied for the wrong one. And they were like, you're gonna have to reapply and I was like I'm done I am not doing this again and I just like gave up like I'm gonna have a baby instead (laughs) so one of the things you know so many people do this they make a mistake or something happens or obstacles happen and they, they keep coming up these obstacles happen and sometimes we give up what was, were there some stories you were telling yourself during that time when you were like, yeah, because, because, and I share, I want, I'm curious if you are open to sharing this because I think so many people go through the same thing and I want people to know that it can be overcome, even if you don't do it then at that moment that you can still overcome that. So what were some of the stories that you were telling yourself then? Um, you know, I just, I just didn't believe I was smart enough. I mean, that's been the story, you know, my whole life pretty much was just like, I'm just not smart enough. I just can't do this. I don't, I don't know how that was always the thing that stopped me. I don't know how, and, and I didn't know how to get help or even know that that was available for me. So, um, it was mostly that. It was mostly the, yeah. I'm not smart enough. I don't know how. I don't know how is a big one. I don't, I don't know how it is for the rest of the world, but I know when I overcame that sort of trauma in my body, because it was a nervous system thing. If I, I was always really good at doing a lot of things, but when there was something that I really couldn't figure out and I didn't know how, my body would flood with this crazy nervousness that I would, it it would feel like my whole body was vibrating at the fastest capacity possible, but I was not moving. So it was like inside, it was this crazy vibration and all this like sensation in my body, but I was frozen and I couldn't do anything. So I had a big trauma trigger around, I don't know how. So I can definitely understand 
how that could throw somebody off the path. So we dealt with that by drinking. <laughs> that was by, because I had the same thing, right? Like the internal just panic and, uh, but also frozen on the outside, just unable to, you know, it was just inertia. And I just would drink to deal with that because mm. it was just too much. It was too overwhelming. Right. Yeah. And it's like when you're so overwhelmed and you can't even move, if you can numb those emotions down enough that you can actually take a step, uh, that's what a lot of people do. And so we had a baby instead of grad school. And then how did you know that there was some point when it was about becoming a life coach for you? There was some. Yeah. Moment. So it happened after my second child. Um, I think it was around 2011 or so. And, you know, I work in hospitality like my whole life. And I just, I loved it because I loved interacting with people and I loved being of service. And, um, and I also loved the frenetic pace because it worked really well for my brain. You know, it's like I could do 20 things at once and this is great. Um, so I knew, I, and, you know, and from my college education, I was like, I knew people were what I wanted to work with and I wanted to make some kind of impact and, and help people. And that's why I wanted to become a school counselor, right? Um, because I thought, oh gosh, if I could help kids that were kind of in the same boat as I was, how great would that be? Um, but then I realized, I don't know if kids are really my population. Like, I don't know if that's exactly who I'm best able to serve. I don't know how I even came to hear about life coaches. I honestly don't know. I just remember um, like thinking like, I think I want to be a life coach and at the time it was not something that was easy to find like I remember trying mm -hmm. to find information online and just 2011 so things were I mean you know internet was was going but <laughs> but for yeah. some reason I, I didn't find a lot of information on it at the time and so what I did was just buy a book and I am not a book learner like that's not how I learned so I started reading it and you, I think you could probably attest you don't learn life coaching from a book so <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's helpful like you, you know you get information right. and tools but it's it's not how you learn it so you know I, I think I looked at it and I put it away and it probably got donated somewhere and then fast forward to I think it was towards the end of 20 17 and well first of all let me back up so a couple of days after my 38th birthday um I kind of just like woke up one day and I was like oh my god what am I doing with my life like I had this notion that I was going to somehow figure everything out and I was going to have you know my dream life like going and I was going to be this like successful writer and speaker and have all of these things going by the time I hit 40 somehow without doing any work towards it. <laughs> I don't know why I had this idea it was just going to happen. 
And I woke up and it was 38 and there was like nothing to show for it. And by this time I had like moved into the corporate world um, like for five years mm-hmm. and um, you know, it wasn't really my thing, but I thought, okay, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. You know, I'm supposed to like have a stable job and bring in an income and whatever. So and that's, that's what, what I did. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what so many people do, especially coming out of the service industry is, well, I need to have this steady job that has benefits. My body's not going to allow me to do the service industry forever. And so you just, this is what you're supposed to do, get that stable job with benefits. And it's, you know, always the corporate world that, you know, we lean into because it's what we've seen over and over and over again. And so the life coaching book got donated probably. And then there be, there came a moment, well, you got sober somewhere in here. And then when did it, actually happen that you were like yes this is my dream to become a life coach and what was the first thing you did towards that dream once you really realized that that's what you wanted to do so after that sort of epiphany moment I was like I gotta start changing my life like something has to change like immediately so I started kind of going through this enlightenment process of devouring all this you know Brene Brown and Elizabeth Gilbert and the body keeps the score and just like learning all of these things. And, and then one day I was cleaning out my closet and I found this, like, it wasn't even a journal. It was just kind of like a random little notebook, like a little spiral notebook. And I was just flipping through it and it said in there, become a life coach. I was like, Oh my God, I completely forgot about that. Like it hadn't even entered my mind. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, that's it. That's the thing I need. That's what I want to do. And so at this time, you know, 2017, it was like, I go on the internet. and was like, oh, my God, everybody's a life coach. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> I didn't know it had exploded into this huge thing. Um, so I was like, well, if I want to be a life coach, I better hire a life coach. So I did hire a life coach. and. Um, And I was very clear about going that direction. Meanwhile, the more I was trying to develop myself and grow and, um, you know, really step into this big life change, the more I was drinking. It was like the more I became open to these things and started looking at myself, the more horrible and painful it was. And so I was just drinking and drinking and drinking. And it, you know, it came to the point where I just, I I couldn't stop drinking when I really wanted to. And, um, and so I'm doing this, I'm working with a life coach. I enrolled in a life coaching program. Life coaching program happens to be founded by uh, two recovered alcoholics for like 25 years. Um, They, I had two in-person trainings and for the four days I was staying in a hotel in Sacramento by myself and they requested that we didn't drink or do any kind of drugs during the four days so we could be totally present. And I was like, I'm going to be alone in a hotel room for four days and I can't drink like, uh," you know, Um, but I like white knuckled my way through it. And after the second one, 
the second weekend of doing that, um, my kidneys were hurting. Like my kidneys were aching all the time. Mm. Like my body was shutting down. Like it was just not good. And I knew, you know, I have so much addiction in my family and I've just, I've seen what it does, you know, to so many people and I could just see my future. And because I had already been doing all this dreaming and doing all this work, I was like, no, this is not, I am not going down this path. I refuse to do that. Like I have too much inside of me. And I felt like it was all like, you know, I just felt like I have all this greatness inside of me. I have all this creativity and I have all this like love to give and desire to help people. And I feel like it's imprisoned in me. Like I just felt like literally like it was behind bars you know, and, um, so it wasn't until that like final morning of just like, this is it, I'm done. And there was this voice in my head, higher power, divinity. I don't know, whatever it was, it was not my voice because I've never said anything like this to myself, but the (laughs) voice was like, you know, because I, alcohol was my best friend and I could not imagine living a life without alcohol. And I would just, whenever I thought about giving it up, I was like, oh my God, life is going to be so awful. Life is just going to suck so bad without it. And this one particular morning, the voice was like, what if life actually got better? What if this was actually the thing that is holding you back? And I was like, oh, I never thought of that before. So that moment was like, I knew it just, it had to go. And so... I got to a meeting that night. Luckily, I had lots of sober friends um, that I could turn to. So that began my recovery journey. And I spent, well, yeah, I mean, I'm still doing that. But, you know, lots of um, recovery meetings, lots of working with a sponsor, and 12 steps and all that. And the biggest part besides that was um, working with a therapist. So finally working intensively like sometimes three days a week two to three days a week for like two years and one of the things that I think is important you know in your recovery one thing that it sounds like that you did is that you were addressing the whys the why you drank the things that was so overwhelming that you had to numb down and I, I think a lot of people think that they could just quit. And if they just quit, they will be okay. But they often will substitute one thing for another. And I think that's an important thing. We create a really great balanced life as you, you know, work with your sober people to create that balanced, joyful life. It's about, you know, not substituting one coping mechanism for another. It's about creating something where you can actually, you don't need the coping mechanism so you can start to access your dreams. So you were focused on your recovery for quite a while, and then you made the decision to really step into the life coaching, like really push into it. Was there a, like an aha moment that you were like, yes, I'm doing it, even if I don't know how? I don't know if there was like a switch that went off, but I think, you know, there was just the pandemic hit. I mean, 2020 was a hard year for everybody. And me, you know, personally, it was just a really, really hard year. Um, 
And I was really grateful that I was already sober. I could get on meetings like AA was up and running like two days into the pandemic online. It was amazing um, because a lot of people were starting to day drink and, you know, things got really bad for a lot of people. So I was grateful that I was kind of already in a place of support. Um, But yeah, so that, that year was really hard, just like for everybody. And Um, I think, when was it? I think like right at the beginning, no, right at the end of 2020, there was just a a shift of like, wow, I have been through a lot and I've come so far. Like I am so far from where I was, you know, a few years ago. And I think I'm ready now. Like I am, I am in the place now of like good, healthy, functional person that's actually able to help other people. Oh, I guess I didn't say like I quit all my life coaching stuff. Like when I got sober, it was like, yeah, maybe I should kind of get myself together before I try and help another person. So yeah. So after all of that, I love that you said that because I know somebody who was having a conversation with me and they want to get out of the business that they were in. And they were like, I was like, well, what do you want to do? He's like, I want to do what you're doing. And he was like, well, you know, people just, they coach other people to fix their own shit. And I was like, Oh no, (laughs) like, no, that's not, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, you have epiphanies and you see yourself through other people. So that stuff happens all of the time. But when your intention is to try and help people and coach people so that you fix your own stuff, you're not there for a place of service. And that is not going to support the other people. And because if you're only looking to You know, it's not a selfish field to be in. If you're only looking for what it's going to do for me, you're not probably going to be the best coach. Now, so you, but you not, well, a while back, you decided to really go for it. You felt like your recovery was stable. You had done the work. You were in a place of being ready to help people. And so what's the first, because this is the thing, when you take a leap to follow your dream, especially if you don't know how and you haven't had it modeled for you, obstacles come up and obstacles left and right will come up. And I'm of the mindset that these obstacles are there for your greater good, like the the universe or whatever you want to believe knows what you want, but you might not yet be the person that is capable of managing that dream and actually making that dream come to fruition. So my belief is that the universe is working for you and these obstacles come up so that it can help prepare you to actually be able to have your dream and hold it, not, you know, get the record deal and have it slip through your fingers and be a one hit wonder. So what were maybe a couple of the first obstacles as you're in this entrepreneurship leap, what are some of the obstacles that have come up that now you can see were actually working for you? Well, um, 
I think one has always been money and financial and always like, oh, there's not enough money for this. I don't know how we're going to survive. Um, two is being a parent of, you know, young kids. I have a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old who have a lot of needs besides just like the typical needs that they have um, challenges that I have to work with. Um, and the other was uh, a job. You know, I was working a full-time job trying, you know, when I decided to take this leap and um, get back enrolled into a life coaching program, it was a big time commitment. And I was coaching people in the middle of balancing all these other things. So, you know, the obstacles were there and I was, oh, and I have chronic pain and I live with something called EDS and it's, you know, lots of chronic fatigue and and pain I deal with. So that was another obstacle. It's like, oh my God, how am I going to have the energy to do these things? Um, And, but I was so, I knew so deeply that this was the path I needed to go on. And like, if I don't do this now, then when, you know, like I, this has to happen now. Like, I think I was 40 when I, or 41, when I finally made this decision. Um, and I, yeah, I was totally scared. I, I didn't know how it was going to work. I didn't know where the money was going to f- come from. I, you know, wasn't sure how it was going to balance it all, but I did, you know, and about six months ago, I guess, um, you know, I had been planning my exit for my job that I hated. And I was like, okay, well, once I have business, you know, kind of in place, then, you know, things are up and running, I will leave my job. Well, he let me go before I had the job, before I had the business totally up and running. So it was really a blessing because I probably would have put things off for much longer had I stayed in that job. Um, And so being released from that was like a gift, you know, even though it was terrifying, like, oh my God, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, And I just started diving into it. It sounds like it was a put your money where your mouth is. You say you want this. All right, we're going to get instead of putting another obstacle in front of you, let's take away one of these obstacles. And here you go. Ready? Are you ready? Are you really ready? So now you have been overcoming obstacle after obstacle, getting through this. Um, you are fully connected to who you want to work with and what you help them create, which is amazing. And I'm so grateful that there are people that specifically want to work with people in recovery, because I think it's important to really have somebody to help understand those challenges. Uh, so now Going back again to that idea of taking the leap and stepping into your dream, one of the things that I notice is when somebody finally becomes really connected to their purpose, that it becomes easier to step over the obstacles. Yeah. And I think when you, when you are really 
crystal clear about your decision and like you you take away the option of not doing it you know it's like yeah so many times there's like wishy-washy like I really want to do this but I don't know if it's gonna blah blah you know you can stay stuck in those kind of wishy-washy place for a long time and that prevents prevented me from taking real action when you remove that option to not do it then suddenly things are very real and things start the universe just starts to open up for you when you get really clear about your intention and there's no no not doing it so I feel like that's what happened for me um I got you know I had there were some things happening in life where um mortality became really clear like wow people are just dying you know people my age dying and none of us know you know none of us know how much time we have on this earth and that became I don't know why it just it really became a driver for me like I don't want to leave this earth not having fully given what my God-given talents are and helping other people to do the same. I don't want anyone dying with this in them. So I was telling you earlier about my mom, you know, she was really excited for me to do this because, you know, she was a single mother working waitressing jobs, like two to three jobs sometimes. And she told me recently, you know, when we were talking about this and why she was so glad I was doing it was because she had a dream in her, which was to go to beauty school and learn how to cut hair and do makeup. And my mom would have been fantastic at it. She looks like Cher. <laughs> she looks like Cher and Elizabeth Taylor, like amazing makeup all the time. Um, you know, and I could just hear that like sadness in her voice because she didn't know how. She didn't have any support. She didn't know, you know, that that could have been an option for her. She She could have done that. And, you know, instead she spent the next, 30 years going from job to job that, you know, just surviving. And now she's, you know, almost 70 and that dream is gone, you know, and I don't want that for people. I think the more people we can have fully expressed themselves and fully live out what they came here to do, like the better our world will be. That's, the total be the wolf thing. When we stop living from those fears and those limitations, when we start living fulfilling lives right now, not I'm going to sacrifice and hold on to this until maybe I can retire and actually enjoy life and then get sick and die. <laughs> we don't want yeah. that. But it's time that we, I think, as a society, start living to our fullest potential. And what a big piece of that is, is learning how to deal with our emotions, learning how to overcome the need for whatever the source root issues are that are causing us to lean into addiction, lean into workaholism, lean into all of these different coping mechanisms. And when we do that, it's the whole thing with the be the wolf thing. The more people we have operating from that place, the better our world will be. Mm -hmm. And we get to, you and I get to help lift people up and 
lean into that for themselves. So speaking of purpose and all of those things and creating the life that's really true and right for you, Erica, can you tell us a tell us what you have to offer, how people can connect yeah. with you? Tell us all yeah. the goodies. So, um, you know, so the reason I started, so I started a, a coaching program called Joyful Sobriety, and it's a year-long coaching program with a ton of tools and support. And the reason I created this is because, you know, I love AA. I I love my 12-step program and just like anything, it's not perfect. And there's, it's not for me and my experience, it's, it's the foundation. It's like, it's the tools I need and what so many people get from it is the, the blueprint for how to live. Like and it's, it's applicable to anybody. I wish everybody would do 12 steps, honestly, because it's all it is, is like, here's a blueprint on how to live a healthy, functional life that's what it is and um and that's great but the next part is okay what do I do with all this recovery and these tools like now what where do I go from here how do I create the kind life of like just getting I'm out doing? of college how right. do I, what next what do how do I go from here yeah exactly like now I have the education and now I know how to do it now I know how to function well and I have you know good self-esteem and I'm feeling like in a good healthy place now how, how do I get to this other place and also you know there's such a huge relapse rate in addiction and no matter what your program is it's like it's just a part of the process I think for a lot of people and um, when I feel like women don't have anything to hang their sobriety on, like, okay, why am I doing this? Like, this is a lot of work. So what's, what's the point? Like, I'm not really enjoying life that much. Like, so I'm sober and I feel better about myself, but why am I going to keep doing this? And so that's why I created this program. It's like, so especially cause not everybody has this, the desire, the deep desire to express themselves and they have a dream and there is something that they need to create you know for themselves and so those are the people those are my people like mm -hmm. they feel like you know if I don't get this out of me if I don't do this thing it's gonna kill me I'm gonna be so unhappy if I don't do this thing that I that I couldn't do that was never possible because I was in my active addiction and now I'm not so how do I get there? And so that was the whole purpose of this program. So I worked in, you know, pretty intensively with women through the year to help build them up and to guide them towards those dreams so that, you know, their recovery is mean something for them. Like, oh, this is why I got sober. Yeah. And how did they sign up for this program? How did they connect with you to actually uh, connect and see if they're the right fit? So um, you can email me directly at Erica at nextrightthingcoaching.com. Um, I'm always findable on Instagram at joyful sobriety now. 
Um, or you can go to my website, the next right thing, coaching.com. And I'd love to connect with you. Oh, Facebook messaging. too. Awesome. Awesome. And as we are getting in that time of year where we are towards the end of the year and we start to evaluate what we really want for the years coming up, it's really important. So if you're looking to step into more joyful and purposeful sobriety, connect with Erica. And if you are looking to find purpose in your career, fulfillment in your career, uh, go, let's connect. Let's you and I connect. <laughs> and so if you are driving, do not do this. Take a moment, open up your browser now and type in elevatebookacall.com so that you can book a call with me and let's see if the system I have will help you get the fulfillment in your career that you're looking for. Erica, I'm so glad there are people out there like you that are stepping into their dream, pushing through those obstacles. And so much when you connect to that thing that is so important to you, the obstacles don't matter. You get up time and time again, no matter what knocks you down. And I'm so glad that you're out there doing that, chasing your dream, being an inspiration for other people to chase their dream. Thanks, Tanea. This was really great. Awesome. All right, everybody. We will see you next time on Be the Wolf. Have a beautiful day. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be the Wolf. Please take a moment to rate, share, and follow this podcast so that together we can inspire others to be the wolf.